Mic check. Yes, a mic check. A mic check. A mic check. One, two, one, two. Yes, indeed. Just finished pre-gaming. You know how I do. In the tasting room. A taste to consider podcast. You know I always got to start the pod off with a song. So, let's go. Yes, indeed. 1999. This brings back so many memories. <laughs> Freshman year of college. Yes, bring back so many memories. Let's go. Ooh, say what, say what, say what. Yeah. <laughs> say you stick and sit the podcast. Let's go. First day of summer, all grown out in a hurry. Hit the park and parlay. Hope that you walk this away. Cause you and your girls wanna ride. Play all day, puff on the line. Say what, say what, say what. You know that I like it, baby. Ooh, girl, you know what's up. And you know what I need. Ooh, say what, say what, say what. You know that I'm out at To the podcast. Whoa. Yeah, you. You got me. Ooh, say what, say what, say what. You know that I like it, baby. Ooh, say you know to the podcast. Ooh, say what, say what, say what. You
Taste took and sit a podcast. Yes, indeed. That was Donnell Jones from the Where I Wanna Be album. That was a great ass album. Man, that's bringing back so many memories. Man, I remember my 1987 Pontiac Bonneville driving that Joan up to, uh, I was a commuter. I didn't stay on campus. Driving that Joan up every day to Bowie State University, playing that daggone CD, CD. <laughs> I was playing the CD. I had a CD player in my 1987 Pontiac Bonneville. That joint was silver. I was like, I was sight. My dad bought that joint for me. I was sight because it was silver. Because my last name is Silver. <laughs> I was pushing my 1987 Silver Pontiac Bonneville up the road every day to Bowie State University, HBCU. <laughs> oh, man. Memories. Memories. It's a taste to consider podcast. Let me officially intro the show. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and we are back. Back for another episode. Shout out to all of the listeners on all of the streaming services. Shout out to all of the watchers on YouTube. Shout out to all of the watchers, the followers on my social media pages, particularly Instagram, because that's the only one that I really particularly focus on with the podcast. It takes to consider network along with my... um my main page my main page is attached to my um network page is uh what is it let me pull it up <laughs> uh it is the t h e dot taste dot underscore so yeah <laughs> follow me subscribe download listen watch all that good stuff shout out to all of uh the youtubers who watched who commented on uh my latest episode uh lead me guide me yes this is part two of lead me guide me i told y'all i was gonna be a parter so this is part two there definitely will be a part three would it be a part four i don't know but shout out to all of the folks who hit me up in the dms that um was loving the show um you know i try not to be biased i try not to be focused on just a man's point of view but i gotta keep it real i am a man so i I, you know saying i gotta just it gotta come from my perspective it gotta come from my experiences but you know i'm saying i'm not in this to be pointing fingers or blaming and all this other stuff this is a collective effort and I definitely want to be a person that is changing the narrative and, you know, trying to put out a different perspective when it comes to mental health and uh, 
this relationship thing and this gender wars and all this other stuff. Because I'm going to keep it real. I've said this plenty of times before. I don't like talking about this relationship shit. I don't like talking about this gender stuff. But, I mean, it is relevant. But I don't want to be solely focused on that. But when I am focused on it, I want to come from a different perspective and not just pointing fingers and doing the blame game type of shit because, you know what I'm saying, we supposed to be all in this together, especially when it comes to the quote-unquote black community and stuff like that. But shout-out to all the people who hit me up and, you know what I'm saying, um, everybody who listened, download, watch, and all that other stuff. I appreciate it, you know, just, you know, keep supporting me and all that other good stuff because I definitely value it. So, we're going to start with this episode, part two of Lead Me, Guide Me. <laughs> but I'm going to start out with this post I came across, and it was very concerning to me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I consider myself a mental health advocate. I've been, you know what I'm saying, speaking about mental health and mental illness ever since 2016 through my blog, greatestiamblog.com, Instagram, greatest.i.am dot blog <laughs> and on my main page and the podcast and all that other stuff you know what i'm saying that's something that just won't go away you know what i'm saying that's something that i'm passionate about i definitely want to speak about my experiences even at times when it's uncomfortable for me but you know what i'm saying i push through and i feel that that is my purpose but this post was very concerning to me So I'm going to read this post, right? It came from the Child Mind Institute on Instagram. At Child Mind Institute. No underscores, no dots, no periods, no nothing. Child Mind Institute. It says 17.1 million young people in the U.S. will have a mental health disorder by age of 18. That's more than the number with AIDS, asthma, diabetes, cancer, and peanut allergy combined and enough to fill State Farm Stadium 269 times. And the reason why I thought that this post was important because, you know what I'm saying, I talk about mental health and mental illness so much on this podcast and in my blog and when I had speaking engagement and stuff like that. It's because, like, mental Health is real. You know, society will will have us think that physical health and the physical appearance, the physical aesthetic is is the main focus. But everything starts from the mental. Everything starts from the mental. And if this statistic holds true, then taking it back to when we were young i'm 41 years old so i've talked about this plenty of times before how i found that through my work in therapy and stuff that my depression started at the age of 13 the age of 13 so this is something that's going to continuously happen and when i was 13 there was no social media around shit excuse me burp number one I don't even think that there was any in 
there was no internet around in 1995 when I was a uh, when I was uh, 13 years old, going on 14 years old. <laughs> there was no internet around, so now there's social media, there's internet, and y'all know how I feel about social media. Social media just exacerbates everything. Social media is the equivalent to a drug or a, a, a substance t- to me, just like alcohol, any type of drug. A medication or whatever it just exacerbates it just elevates whatever you're going through just like money all of that drugs illegal drugs quote-unquote legal drugs all that other stuff you know what i'm saying it just exacerbates exaggerates you know what i'm saying it amplifies Whatever adjectives you want me to use or pronouns you want me to use for these, you know what I'm saying, it, it's out there. But moving along to the episode. All right. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with this. And it's funny that this 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 came out before. I actually recorded part two of Lead Me, Guide Me. So, Rihanna, you know, we had the Super Bowl happen and all that other good stuff. And then after the Super Bowl, then Rihanna's um, Vogue interview and photo shoot and spread came out. And on the cover of the Vogue magazine was Rihanna leading her family. Leading her family. She was in the in the picture. Rihanna was in the front, holding hands with ASAP Rocky, and ASAP Rocky was holding their child together. Black love, black family is beautiful, but <laughs> I got a clip to play for you. So let's move on to the clip. No, this ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it. Listen, I'm all for black love. And of course, I'm all for the black family. But this photo shoot, mm-mm, it ain't it. It ain't it. They got my man's ASAP looking like he the one that gave birth. I mean, they got him looking like real house husbands of Hollywood. Eddie! We've all heard the phrase, a picture says a thousand words. But what does this picture say? Now, I do see a beautiful black family, but I also see a wicked agenda that's taking place. Now, maybe it's just me, but ASAP look mad feminine. And they walking on the beach, he's holding the baby, and she's leading now call me old school if you must but i'm from the school of thought where the woman submits to the man as the man submits to god in that order this ain't that now i'm all for women being shown as strong powerful confident all of that but when it comes to the family structure the man is absolutely the head the man is absolutely the lead and part of the reason the black community continues to suffer because men don't want to be men we out here trying to submit to the woman sisters cover your ears for a minute Black man, let me talk to you real quick. Let me have a heart-to-heart with you real quick. Your woman will never truly respect you so long as she doesn't see you as the lead, so long as she never sees you as the head. This satanic-ass world has done an excellent job of reversing the roles. You got men trying to be like women, and you got women trying to be like men. I ain't ever gonna be cool with that. Why not show her holding the baby? They even got it framed where she looks much bigger than him. Y'all don't see the symbolism in that? All I'm really saying is that black men have to step up and be leaders in the home. 
If the black man is the head, then the black woman is the neck, and the head ain't going nowhere without the neck. We sincerely need each other, but the divine order of things is God, man, woman, child. In that order. Facts. <laughs> I mean, he said everything that I was thinking. But the funny thing about it is when I first saw the cover, I ain't really tripped because I looked at it like, you know what I'm saying? Hey, this is what they do. They always pushing this agenda. They always pushing this agenda of the woman being the lead of the family. I'm going to play the clip again and go through it and everything. But the funny thing about it is when I wasn't really tripping and I saw the cover and I was looking at comments and stuff like that, I saw a lot of women saying the same thing that this dude was saying, saying the same thing that I was feeling. Why is it this way? Why is the symbolism this way? Like, why is she leading? Why is he holding the child? Why? I mean, we can say why, why, why. But seriously, <laughs> there's been stuff out here, period, before this cover even came out the, on the fact that ASAP Rocky um, has portrayed a fem more of a feminine energy, more of a feminine um, aesthetic in photo shoots and stuff like that. And we all know who Rihanna is. And, and before I even talk about that, y'all know how I feel about celebrities and celebrity worship and stuff like that. But it was interesting to me that the fact that I saw a lot of women agreeing with this video, even before I saw this video, because I came across this video in the midst of me putting the show together today. <laughs> but I was seeing the comments way before that. And it always takes me back to when I see family portraits of uh, when I in these family portraits, I always see the men sitting in the chair and the woman and the children standing up. And that shit used to piss me off because I'm saying to myself, it is no way in hell that I'm taking a family picture and I'm sitting in the chair and my lady and my child are standing up. I'm supposed to be the man. One of my uh one of my roles in the black in, in the family is to be the protect, the protector. And I know I touched on that last episode where I said men aren't supposed to only be the protector and the provider. But I said only. I didn't say they ain't supposed to be the protector and the provider. And it will always amaze me and piss me off when I will see these pictures of these men sitting in these chairs and the women and the children standing up. And I'm like, why the fuck is the man sitting in the chair and the woman and the child standing up? The man is supposed to be standing up and the woman and the children are supposed to be sitting down. If anything, both the man and the woman are supposed to be sitting down. Because in my, in my eyes, in my point of view, in my mind, I'm sitting here saying to myself, I'm standing up at all times because I'm on guard to protect my woman and my children. So when I see this cover, I'm thinking to myself, 
here we go with this agenda shit. And I know everybody ain't won't resonate with it. And if you don't resonate with it, then don't try to have an argument for it. Because there there is levels to it. And if you can't understand it, then you just ain't there yet. Like, I know it's a time and place to be woke and to be all in the conspiracy theory phase and, and all that other stuff. But if you ain't there, you ain't there. So don't don't have no discussion with me. I already said I ain't going to debate you. I'm having conversations because people don't know how to debate. But I'm I'm definitely not subscribing to the symbolism that's on this cover. We already know Rihanna is a billionaire. She got her businesses and all that other stuff. Aesop Rocky, he got money. You know what I'm saying? He ain't. He ain't struggling or anything like that. And I understand that there's always been this narrative out there of, of a kept, a quote unquote kept man. You know what I'm saying? Like there's been a narrative of a kept woman. Shoot, we've been hearing about this quote unquote kept man um, narrative ever since Stedman has been in the picture with Oprah, right? We don't know nothing about Stedman. We don't know nothing that he's doing in his life. We don't know how much money he got. We know Oprah, we know what she doing. We know she got, she, we know she damn near a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not sitting here hating on any man who want to be kept. You know what I'm saying? You do what you do. But we talking about the collective. And the collective is, and with how society is and how the black community is, all caught up into celebrity-driven things, this is just pushing a narrative that keep that divide between black men and black women. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he was right. Like, if you look at the cover, they made Rihanna look larger, bigger, burp number two. They made her look bigger than Aesop Rocky. They, in this, when you look at this picture, like, Aesop Rocky looks very feminine. And, Y'all know the memes that was out there even before, you know what I'm saying, this cover came out where they was the memes, not even the mainstream media, but just people posting memes making it seem like Aesop Rocky was feminine. But when you look at this picture, it, it look as though Rihanna is the is the dominant figure in this family, you know what I'm saying, with the with the black uh, with the wild hair and the the eye, the black eyeliner and all that other stuff, she looks more dominant than ASAP Rocky does in this photo. Like ASAP Rocky, he looks all slender and small compared to Rihanna. You know what I'm saying? His shoulders are slump, slumped over. He's kissing the baby and stuff. He looks more like the woman than Rihanna does. Rihanna looks more bold in the in the picture and stuff like that. So. You know what I'm saying? If you don't understand the symbolism or the narrative that's being pushed, then stay out this conversation. You know what I'm saying? That that I mean, it is what it is. You 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 more focused on just hyping up a celebrity or being more attached to the celebrity aspect of the photo as opposed to the symbolism and the narrative that's being pushed with it. But let me move on. <laughs> Oh, man.
but like just just looking at this this cover and this this photo and thinking about you know what I'm saying all this th- these conversations and these gender wars and the masculinity femininity and the submission and leadership and stuff like that I don't think a lot of people understand that black masculinity or heterosexuality has always been under attack. I talk about it all the time with the Willie Lynch theory theory and the Willie Lynch syndrome of how black masculinity has always been under attack. Think about it. Sit back and think about and picture close your eyes and picture in your mind a black man, your image of a black man, your image of a white man, your image of a Hispanic man, your image of a Asian man. Who is the most masculine in your eyes, in that in that image that you're that you're building in your mind? Who is the most masculine? The black man. When you think about it, the black man is 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 pretty much the essence, the aesthetic of what masculinity is. Just focusing on masculinity, who do you see? A black man. You watch TV, you watch movies, you'll be far-fetched to find a masculine Asian man. Like the only masculine Asian man in your mind that you you will be able to picture is what, Bruce Lee? Hispanic man. I mean, I, I can't bring up no examples of a, a masculine Hispanic man. I can't. And I know that's coming just from my point of view, but think about it. You got to search for a specific, one specific person to portray that Hispanic image of a masculine man, even a white dude. Think about it. But when you think about a masculine black man, you got all types of examples. Will Smith, Idris Elba, shit. You can damn near say The Rock because The Rock is a black man. I mean, he's he's mixed, but he's a black man. But you can think about all these type of black dudes from all, just thinking from the 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 perspective of movie, TV, and movies, right? And just thinking about your life, like when you see dudes walking down the street. Who who will you look at first as a masculine man? The black man or the Asian man? The black man or the Hispanic man? The black man or the white man? There's always been an attack on black masculinity, black heterosexuality, right? <laughs> like, it shows the power that we have and the fear that they have towards Black masculinity. Urgence of. But I'm going to play this clip, right? We're going to get into this clip and we're going to start, you know what I'm saying, moving through the show. You know how I do. But just think about it. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not, I'm not, what I'm saying is not far fetched and I'm not reaching. Y'all know this. Think about it. Take away your biases. And 
your emotions and just think about it. Think about it. <laughs> Take away from this this romanticism of uh, a celebrity couple and just think about what you see. So let me move on to this clip. Surgeons of black awareness and pride, black men and women face new problems, not only in relation to white society, but to each other in a black society. Recently, there has been a stream of articles on this subject, and the Chicago Daily Defender, America's largest black newspaper, began a series some weeks ago on the emergence of the new black woman. Betty Washington, reporter for the paper, surveyed the Chicago scene to report on how black men and women believe the revolution in racial pride will affect them and their families before the sociologists and experts tell us how we are supposed to react. As a reporter for the Chicago Daily Defender and as a black woman married to a black man, I become deeply aware of the effects of this new black revolution on the relationship between black man and black woman. I see it among my own friends, and I also see it in my home. But the most revealing and the most vocal statements about what the new black man expects from the new black woman came when I met with a group of young unmarried friends one Saturday afternoon. I think that what's happening in America as far as black men, black women is concerned is that there's a revolution within a revolution. We are fighting our own woman. Our woman will not allow us to emerge as black men. No. But our black women, who has been put in this role of aiding white America, white structure, and castrating the black male, has continued doing this. She cannot live with us. It's not that we can't live with her. Are you blaming us? Are you saying that it's our fault that this happened? No, I'm not blaming black America women. I just said that I'm blaming the system. They are victims of the system like the black male. Well, why do you say that we are castrating you. You say that you want to be the leaders. Okay. Well, what about the black professional woman? Are you saying that there should be no black professional woman? Are you trying to deny black women the right to be creative, the right to function? We're not asking for you to take a back seat. We're said. saying that you have got to be astute enough and can view the situation well enough where you just automatically know what your role is and step back. And whenever you want to have that aggressive thing, this is the thing that the young black man today is not going to tolerate. My old man tolerated because he was his old man tolerated. It came up for years and years and years. But today, the young black man is not going to take it. He's going to be out there as a leader. White America has used black women to keep the black male in his place. And you're still aiding him by saying, well, we are qualified. We want to work. We can help. Okay, how are you going to reprogram men so that they don't let us take over what's supposed to be their responsibility? And men that I have had dealings with, they are perfectly willing to sit back and let us do anything we want to. I I don't think you have to reprogram men. I think you have to reprogram women. No, you have to reprogram the man so that he will forcefully no. take what belongs to him because you know women, as long as okay. we can get, we're going to get. And it's, 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 it's part of our being. Okay. We're going to do anything to you that you let us, okay. whether we want to or not. You don't want to live on the level of income that I can afford you in love. Me, on the basis of that, you want to always be aspiring to have all those things that's a part of the great middle-class white American society. And, and because I can't deliver these things to you, you say that you are not a man. 
This video, this video right here was 53 years ago. 53 years ago. So this conversation was being had 53 years ago. And this is why I always say, this is why I always say, and some people won't get it. Some people won't understand it, that this shit is being pushed in our community. Pushing our community. 53 years ago. 53 years ago. Do you hear me? I'm saying 53 years ago, this conversation was being had. This gender war shit with black women and black men. And you hear the things that they were saying. But I'm going to play the clip again and we're going to go through it. Surgeons of black awareness and pride, black men and women face new problems, not only in relation to white society, but to each other in a black society. <laughs> you hear what he said? <laughs> Recently, there has been a stream of articles on this subject. And the Chicago Daily Defender, America's largest black newspaper, began a series some weeks ago on the emergence of the new black woman. The emergence of the new black woman 53 years ago. Right. And I've talked about on this podcast plenty of times before on how um, the feminist movement and the government push these things on the black women with the welfare stuff, with um the feminist movement, getting jobs and um, having men in your home. Shit, they made movies about it. Go back to the movie Claudine. Claudine <laughs> with Diane Carroll and James Earl Jones. If you've never seen that movie, go look at that movie. It's a good movie, but it also is very telling on all the shit that I've been talking about on the last episode and this episode and the episodes to come. Betty Washington, reporter for the paper, surveyed the Chicago scene to report on how black men and women believe the revolution and racial pride will affect them and their families before the sociologists and experts tell us how we are supposed to react. As a reporter for the Chicago Daily Defender and as a black woman married to a black man, I become deeply aware of the effects of this new black revolution on the relationship between... The new black revolution. This is this is 53 years ago. This is supposed to have been the new black revolution. And it's affecting the relationship between black men and black women. Black man and black woman. I see it among my own friends and I also see it in my home. But the most revealing and the most vocal statements about what the new black man expects from the new black woman came when I met with a group of young unmarried friends once... Key, key word in the, the young, the young. So it's always this revolution when this new generation comes around. Saturday afternoon. I think that what's happening in America as far as black men, black women is concerned is that there's a revolution within a revolution. We are fighting our own woman. Our woman will not allow us to emerge as black men. You see what the black man is saying? He's saying that the black women, the new black women, in this revolution is not allowing the black men to be black men. No, but our black women who has been put in this role of aiding white America, white structure. You see what he's saying? He's saying that these black women have been put in this position to believe and to want to pretty much be side by side with the white community 
doing the same things. And this is what I was talking about. The white feminist movement pushed this agenda onto black women to further their role in things. You know what I'm saying? They push on the things that they wanted. But they stayed with their white husbands. They wasn't arguing with their white husbands and all that other stuff. But <laughs> black women continue to do that. You know what I'm saying? And we'll go on the, uh, some of the, the next clips and topics. We'll push further into this narrative. Incarcerating the black male is continue doing this. She cannot live with us. It's not that we can't live with her. Are you-, you see what he's saying? He said... It ain't the black men that don't want to live with the black women. The black women don't want to live with the black men <laughs> because they they following this narrative or this agenda that's being pushed by white society that even the white women ain't fully following. Blaming us? Are you saying that it's our fault that this happened? No, I'm not blaming black America women. I just said that I'm blaming the system. They are victims of the system like the black male. Victims of the system. See, he this this particular guy, he's not he's not blaming nobody. He's well, he is blaming. He blaming both black men and women. When it comes down to it, I've said plenty of times before that it's the system, right? But ultimately, it's coming down to us black men and black women on being followers I don't even want to say victims because we we know better. We we should know better. I feel that we should know better. But we just always trying to keep up with the Joneses. We always we we stuck in this this mindset and this is why why I be saying that all black people have a mental health problem. All black people have a mental health issue because we are always following behind white society or this system that's being put in place in front of us and it's just straight dividing us well why do you say that we are castrating you you say that you want to be the leaders okay well what about the black professional woman are you saying that there should be no black professional woman are you trying to deny black women the right to be creative the right to function we're not asking for you to take a back seat we're saying that you have got to be astute enough and can view the situation well enough where you just automatically know what your role is and step back and whenever you want to have that aggressive thing this is the thing that the young black man today is not going to tolerate my old man tolerated because he was his old man tolerated came up for years and years and years. But today, the young black man is not going to take it. He's going to be out there as a leader. White America has used black women to keep the black How many times have I said that? White America have used black women. The, fem- the, the white feminist movement has used black women. They used them and they continue to continuously using them. How many times that you have these 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 feminist movements or these women movements and you got white women and black women marching together. But soon as a black woman loses her child to the police getting killed or something like that, where are the white women? They ain't around. They ain't supporting you. They not walking with you. They not marching with you. 
they living comfortable in their homes with their white husbands. Shit, some of them living with the black husbands. <laughs> in his place. And you're still aiding them by saying, well, we are qualified. We want to work. We can help. Okay, how are you going to reprogram men so that they don't let us take over what's supposed to be their responsibility? And men that I have had dealings with, they are perfectly willing to sit back and let us do anything. It's all about trying to blame somebody. Black men blaming black women. Black women blaming black men. I got to force you to do this. You got to force me to do that. It shouldn't be nothing. It's, why has it always got to be this competition or this battle or this back and forth shit? Why? We want to. I I don't think you have to reprogram men. I think you have to reprogram women. No, you have to reprogram the man so that he will forcefully take what belongs to him because you know. Why do I have to forcefully take something that is already mine? If I'm already masculine, if I'm already in, if I'm already of the essence of a role of a being a man, of being uh the leader of the black family why do i have to for now have to forcefully take it doesn't make sense that is a breeding ground of competition to sit here and say that a black man has to forcefully take something from a black woman and and this is confuses the hell out of me like one minute you'll have a black woman saying um they don't want to be controlled they don't want to be forced to do something but then you'll have comments like this you'll have a narrative like this it doesn't make sense it contradicts itself women as long as we can get we gonna get and it's 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 part of our being we're going to do anything to you that you let us whether we want to or not you don't want to live on the level of income that i can afford you in love me on the basis of that you want to always be aspiring to have all those things that's a part of the great middle class white american society and <laughs> he said it like the white feminist movement this is my this is my belief the white feminist movement started when black families started moving into white neighborhoods when white women started seeing black families move into their neighborhoods they had a problem because they was living comfortably with being housewives and sitting around drinking wine with other white women and raising their kids and stuff like that but when they started seeing that black men were having more advantages more opportunities than them then it was a problem they didn't care when the white men, their husbands, were taking care of the family, leading the family. But when they saw black men moving into their neighborhood and having opportunities that they didn't, then there was a problem. So then in turn, they started using black women as comrades or you know what i'm saying <laughs> they started using black women to put
push their agenda because it was it wasn't going to be no thing with oh it ain't i ain't having no black man having more opportunities than me shit i'm white how's this black man going to be able to take care of a family have a job and make money that i'm not making or whatever so i'm going to get their i'm going to get their wives on my side i'm going to use them to get what I what I want. So these black women sitting here saying, oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? So if these white women that have so much privilege are saying these things, then they must be true. So now I want the same opportunities that my man is having. And because I can't deliver these things to you, you say that you are not a man. Surgeon, so. so that end part right there. So, of course, I'm going to just move on. I'm going to just move on. I'm going to move on to the next clip because it speaks to all oh, this, that, that last clip that was being played now i want y'all to pay attention to this next clip that i'm gonna play prior to 1955 i'm gonna start it over prior to 1955 black americans were the most married group of people in america more than white people after 1955 with the onset of feminism and white feminists came to the black community and say hey girl Come help us and walk with women's live. Come right? walk for women's yep. live. We'll yep. give you a job. We'll yep. give you these benefits. Yep. Just leave that man alone. Matter of fact, he's oppressing you. <laughs> just wow. like our white man is oppressing us. But the black man has never been in, in, in any control of any institutions in the United States. We don't control what you eat. We don't control where you vote. We don't control where you go to school, where you live, or any of that. So that patriarchy shit, when it comes to black men, that's just all over Twitter. You, you got these black feminist women and men who sit here and talk this patriarchy shit with black men. And it's not true because we've never been in control of anything. Never been in control of any system or institution that allows for control. That's what patriarchy is. So stop this narrative. It pisses me off when I keep saying this narrative of black men benefiting from patriarchy it's not happening it has never happened so to try to equate black men fighting with black women and black women fight with black men as oppression at the same instance that white folks white men have put upon white women is disingenuous disingenuous it's a lie it's a flat out lie I'm going to play the clip again, just if you didn't hear it correctly. Prior to 1955, black Americans were the most married group of people in America, more than white people. After 1955, with the onset of feminism and white feminists came to the black community and say, hey, girl. Come help us and walk with women's live. Come right? walk for women's yep. live. We'll yep. give you a job. We'll yep. give you these benefits. Yep. Just leave that man alone. Matter of fact, he's oppressing you. 
just wow. like our white man is oppressing us. But the black man has never been in, in, in any control of any institutions in the United States. We don't control what you eat. We don't control where you vote. We don't control where you go to school, where you live or any of that. So to try to equate black men fighting with black women and black women fighting with black men as oppression, the same instance that white folks, white men have put upon white women is disingenuous. Get it how you live. That's that's black men and black women. <laughs> you should understand that. <laughs> Man. In the midst of all of this, the times of the civil rights and you know what I'm saying, all that other stuff and equality and all that other stuff. It was supposed to be equal black man and black woman, you know. There was no black man sitting here saying, well, I should be like the white man and I should be controlling over my household. The black men that were part of these part of this movement and stuff like that were fighting for the black family they weren't fighting for themselves when the black feminine when the white feminist movie movement or the white liberation movement came upon they pushed this this narrative and this agenda over black women to only fight for themselves not for the black family as a whole when black men were out there, they were fighting for the black family as a whole. This is not to put a blame on anybody. This is to show the programming, the manipulation that these organizations, these systems put on us, period. This divide. The black women in those times chose the system over the black family. It, I mean, those are just the facts of it. Do black men have a blame in it? Yes, they do, because they should have fought harder and for being the men in their families and their communities. They just should have. I think I got another clip coming up. Society has made people think that, well, not just society, there's been a lot of men who's used the term submission for control and manipulation and stuff like that. And so it has put fear in women. But also, there's been a lot of women operating in trauma who've put another fear in women, hyper-independent women, women who are self-reliant that feels like submission makes them weak. Right. And they don't know how to be vulnerable. Exactly. And they see vulnerability as weakness. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. to them, they think that if I submit, I'm weak. And they put that into young women's minds. Mm -hmm. And it makes women not want to submit because of that. But people don't understand that submission, it, it will come so natural when you are with the right person right. for women. If there is a man who mm -hmm. gives that emotional security, oh, she's going to submit. Even if she tries to fight it, it's going to happen. Right. And if a woman still allows a man to have freedom, and I'm not talking about freedom as far as cheating, but still <laughs> be himself and still have that freedom that men value, mm -hmm. oh, he'll naturally submit. 
Mm. A woman gives him an ear without judgment, an mm. ear with empathy. Mm-hmm. He'll naturally submit. Mm-hmm. It happens. That's why I say it's not based off of gender. And I wish society would let go of that idea. Yeah. Because it'll be a lot more harmonious relationships, mm-hmm. a lot more Absolutely. balanced relationships if they remove that idea of submission. And I played this clip before, and I don't agree with everything that was spoken in this clip because I don't feel as though that soon as this quote unquote right person comes along that the person is automatically going to submit when you've already built up and and already started building these habits and living your life a certain way and building up these defenses and you experience this trauma or whatever you just ain't gonna let go just like that that's bullshit so i don't subscribe to that and I will sit here and say 100% that I believe what I'm saying right now is true. And what is being said in this clip ain't, that shit ain't, that, that's a lie. That is a lie. That is something that, that is a, some cliche shit that's being spewed out there. When you build up habits, when, you, when you've experienced trauma and all that other stuff, it just ain't going to go by night. You got to do work. You got to put in some healing. You got to do something to change your mindset in order to submit in order to be a leader in order to be assertive over aggressive you know what i'm saying but i'm gonna play the clip again because it was something key in there that she said society has made people think that well not just society there's been a lot of men who's used the term submission for control and I've said that on the last episode. That's key. There's definitely a lot of men out here that will use the term submission and all that other stuff to manipulate a woman, to control a woman, you know what I'm saying, for their purposes based off of, you know what I'm saying, what they learned or what trauma they've gone through, what fears they got, what insecurities they got. They will focus on controlling a woman but use the term of submission and leadership in that and that's why i said on last episode we got to stop using these these cliche terms for our own biases based off of our emotions and manipulation and stuff like that and so it has put fear in women but also there's been a lot of women operating in trauma who've put another fear in women hyper independent women and that is another key position right there. There's been a lot of women who have used their fears, their trauma, their insecurities, and put that on other women, as well as their sons. That's not talked about enough, and I talk about that all the time when it comes to, once again, the Willie Lynch syndrome, the Willie Lynch theory, and the Willie Lynch letters. If you ain't read it yet, it only take about 10 five ten minutes to read it just read it you will see what i'm talking about and i'm not blaming black women for this because it came out of fear and i understand fear and and operating out of fear because i've i've done that for majority of my life operating out of fear making decisions out of fear thinking out of fear you know what i'm saying uh perceiving people's actions and stuff out of fear Women who are self-reliant, that feels like submission makes them weak. Right. And they don't know how to be. 
man ain't the only one that's sitting out here looking at it as though, you know what I'm saying, me submitting or me being vulnerable, me being open is a weakness. That isn't just synonymous with, with men. Is it push more than men? Yes, it is. But it's not synonymous with just men. Vulnerable. Exactly. And they see vulnerability as weakness. weakness. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. to them, they think that if I submit, I'm weak. And they put that into young women's minds. Mm -hmm. And it makes women not want to submit because of that. But people don't understand that submission, it, it will come so natural when you are with the right person. Right. For All right. I'm going to move on for this clip. But I got another clip and it's going to go more into the hyper-independence i talked about it a little bit on the last episode hyper-independence and you see that a lot with women but it's just not it's not only women like i said i'm i'm not gonna sit here and be biased and anything like that because i understand these 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 things go both ways they really do go both ways but they look differently and the problem is is that we won't sit down and have these conversations, these uncomfortable conversations. And you got all these people out here, women and some some men who are feminists <laughs> sit here and say, you know what I'm saying, these we gotta stop these podcasts with these with these men and all this other stuff. But like I said, you want these men to have these podcasts. You want these men to start being more vocal and stuff like that. Because this starts the dialogue. This starts the conversation. And this also puts out there in the space on seeing a different perspective. And then also looking at who you can connect with, who you can't connect with on both sides. But let me get to this... Um, this next clip. My shorty's an independent woman. She yeah. can do everything on her own if she wants yeah. to, right? She chooses not to because she knows that she has me. So it's not an independent woman thing. It's a woman that needs healing kind of thing. It's mm. a hyper-independence thing. Because mm. independence and hyper-independence are completely different, mm. right? And it can happen in men and women. Right. So I think a lot of times, like, we get into these conversations with women that are calling themselves independent women. Mm. Women's like, no, you're hyper-independent. That's exactly. a trauma response. Like, and you can be independent outside of the relationship with yeah, you at you work. Yeah, you need to yeah, be yeah, independent. Yeah, yeah. I don't, here's the thing, right? I don't want you hitting me up all day, every day. <laughs> Y'all don't want that. You don't want to be sitting here taking care of your man. Your man don't want to be always sitting here taking care of the woman. Yes, it should be two independent individuals coming together to work together. But when you get this hyper-independence, and I talked, I, I spoke about it on the last podcast of how that I can come off as very hyper-independent at times. I like to do everything for myself. It makes me uncomfortable when people do things for me. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's the simplest thing to the most important thing. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm so used to having to do everything on my own you know what i'm saying and it's something that i have been working on while i've been in therapy being able to receive compliments being able to receive help being able to receive gifts you know what i'm saying stuff like that this ain't a one-sided thing we so focus on on this this 
this back and forth competition and fighting with each other that we don't even see that we doing and saying the exact same things, but just in different ways because we're having different viewpoints based off of our gender. I mean, <laughs> it it's like it's it's all we're wasting time. It's silly. It's silly shit. Y'all do want an independent exactly. woman, because yeah. we have those conversations like, yo, bro, damn, shorty calling me again, bro. Right, right. Like, imagine if I came in here and I was on the phone with my shorty the whole time. I had FaceTime sitting right here. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah, I can't get on FaceTime. You know? That shit is like, it's insecurities, it's trauma responses, all of that. It, it all starts from our ego and how our ego is it was built up and it is is made to per, protect us. You know what I'm saying? Like the ego is a necessary thing, but at the same time, it's too being too responding so much from your ego is is showing you how attached you are to a certain outcome or how afraid you are of a certain outcome. Like we don't need that, bro. Yeah, but I got another clip. <laughs> Y'all know I always come with the clips. When I when I think about my podcast at times, I always think about, you know, some of the ESPN shows when they just run down. They have a rundown of, of, of topics and clips and highlights and stuff like that. So here we go with the next clip. <laughs> Fellas, let me help, let me help, right? Nowadays, it's a lot of females that they've been through trauma, broken relationships, and they have to rebuild themselves, right? And a lot of females, they rebuild themselves based on that overly independent masculine space of doing everything for themselves, by themselves, for their children, for their house. My self-esteem and who I am was literally built off of independence. It was literally repaired my trauma was literally in my eyes healed based on me having my own house own car paying my own bills don't need a nigga for nothing like i built myself up back to a healthy space from my view off of stacking these things up so when you come along and you want me to relinquish control over these things it's not gonna happen overnight don't let these hoes fool y'all that because they sat with self and built themselves to an overly independent space that when you come along and you actually want to be one of those men that want to lead and be head of household and you want them to be submissive that they'll be able to just do it doesn't mean you can't build with a woman like this but she has to be able to articulate what i'm explaining now about herself and be real that she has to work on. It's going to be a process. It's going to take some sort of effort in order for her to really become the submissive wife figure that you're trying to be with. And I'm going to go through the clip again. But this is why I say that that whole little cliche shit of the memes that be going around on social media. of uh, You'll do it for the right one or you'll be submissive for the right one. That's bullcrap. Because once you once you've lived a certain life. And you've gone through certain trauma and you've built certain habits up of the, of hyper independence or whatever. It just ain't you just not going to let go and relinquish that, especially when you've when you've had certain successes or or you've reached certain accomplishments. And, you know, what I'm saying you have certain 
dreams in your life and you've and you've reached those points in your life or whatever that you just gonna let go of it because a man the right the quote-unquote right man came in your life that's bullshit the straight is not that's not gonna happen and this is a woman talking right here this is a woman talking and when you using myself for example like I got my house, I got my car, I got my job, you know what I'm saying? I went to college, got my degree and all this other stuff. So I know I can do anything by myself. And you've heard plenty of women on social media talk about something. I don't need no man because I can do it by myself. I've done it by myself and all this other stuff. That's the mentality. That's the mentality that's out there. So then, and and just like last episode when I was talking about how how social media effed up relationships or whatever. It is so many men and women out here that don't know how to think for themselves, that don't know how to, you know what I'm saying, um, provide for themselves and stuff like that, or just be, or have confidence, enough confidence in themselves to be themselves that they'll go and follow anything that they see that has been quote-unquote productive or worthy of validation that they'll they'll do the same things you know it's 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 a lot of followers out here based off of what they see on social media you'll see the woman out here you know what i'm saying she look all independent on social media when you know what i'm saying sexually liberated you know what i'm saying um all this other stuff twerking got She's showing this full of confidence and all this other stuff. But behind the scenes, she got all this drama with with her uh, love life, all this drama with her man and all this other stuff. You see this dude out here flashing the money, got the cars and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Making it rain and all this other stuff, but then going home and ain't got nobody. And then worrying about how he going to pay his bills when he was just throwing the dollars all out in the club. These are highlights. This shit ain't real. Stop following behind these people. But let me play the clip again. I'm going to go through it. Fellas, let me help. Let me help, right? Nowadays, it's a lot of females that they've been through trauma, broken relationships, and they have to rebuild themselves, right? And a lot of females, they rebuild themselves based on that overly independent, masculine and she didn't use the term hyper-independent. She said overly independent. And you see what she's saying. They built their self-esteem and their self-worth off of being hyper-independent. So if they built it off that, that's what their foundation is. So when a person comes into their life, that person is easily replaceable, easily they can let go of that person. I don't need you. Shit, I did it on my own and all this other stuff. Well, shoot, I know I can get any woman that I want to get. It's another, it's so many women out here looking for attention and all this other stuff. I can, I can move and shake how I want to move. ...of doing everything for themselves, by themselves, for their children, for their house. My self-esteem and who I am was literally built off of independence. It was literally repaired my trauma was literally in my eyes healed based on me having my own house own car paying my own bills don't need a nigga for nothing like i built myself up back to a healthy space from my but she's saying healthy but it's not healthy right but in their minds they think it's healthy because they looking at 
what society says or what social media says. Well, since I got this car, I got this job, I got this this house, I got this money, I can go, you know what I'm saying, buy these outfits or I can go out to eat whenever I want to eat. You know what I'm saying? So that that means that it's healthy. That means that it's successful. That means that it's fulfilling. But it's not. <laughs> but then they wonder why they lonely or they wonder why they got to keep um, portraying or keep spewing out this narrative of, oh, well, I'm independent or I get this and I get that or I don't need no woman and all that other stuff. It's just just bullshit. <laughs> you off of stacking these things up so when you come along and you want me to relinquish control over these things it's not gonna happen overnight don't let these hoes fool y'all that because they sat with self and built see it's all about control when it comes to our community it's all about control you know what i'm saying i don't want to relinquish control why the hell the focus is all wrong the focus is all wrong and this is why I talk about, like, you got to be careful with a lot of these women empowerment people and these men empowerment people. Like, it shouldn't be no thing where, like, like I always say, I'm all for women empowerment. I'm all for men empowerment. But it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be solely focused on the separation of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we should be in a building. We should be in this it should be a conference center, right? You should have three rooms. Excuse me, burp number three and four and five. It should be this conference, conference center, right? In this conference center, there should be only three rooms. To the left of you, you got the women's conference room. To the right of you, you got the men's conference room. That middle conference room is empty. So you got the left conference room, the women in it, they the black black women in it, they talking, they discussing, you know what I'm saying, the issues and the things they need to work on and the things they need to learn and all that other stuff. And you got the right conference room, which is the men's conference room. And they doing the same thing. So then after those after after that hour is up, we going we going to put it to an hour. After that hour conversation is up. We supposed to be moving right to the middle room and that room is much more larger than the left room and the right room we supposed to be coming to that room that middle room together and having these collective conversations together but no it ain't that you have a whole building where women black women is in doing what they need to do you have a whole building where the black men doing what they need to do. And then when those hour conversations are up, we leave and going out into the world. It's no coming together. I'm all for women empowerment, men empowerment. But it's no coming together after that. No coming together after that. <laughs> itself to an overly independent space that when you come along and you actually want to be one of those men that want to lead and be head of household and you want them to be submissive that they'll be able to just do it doesn't mean you can't build with a woman like this but she has to be able to articulate what i'm she has to be able to articulate even before the articulation she has to be self-aware enough to understand that i'm hyper independent 
or overly independent, whatever words you want to use. But I want a man. I want a family. I want to build something together with a black man. Black man got to say the same thing. So how are we going to work this out? What conversation are we going to have? So when that left when that left room and that right that left room and that right room was supposed to come together to the middle. Do you see what I'm saying? There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. There's no balance when it comes to the black community. Where when are we coming together? When? <laughs> we all fighting and competing against each other. Complaining now about herself and be real that she has to work on it's going to be a process it's going to take some sort of effort in order for her to really become the submissive wife figure that you're trying to be it's going to take effort for her and it's going to take effort from the black man and when those two rooms don't come together this next clip is going to show you what you're going to get <laughs> be very motherfucking clear with this niggas love a bitch that's struggling let me tell you why a bum ass nigga love bitches that's struggling because the bitch that's struggling gonna make that nigga feel superior a bitch like me a bitch that can hold her own a bitch that pay her own a bitch that ain't, ain't gotta suck dick to survive of course i'm gonna make that nigga feel uncomfortable of course i'm gonna make that nigga feel like he in competition with me because i got more hustle in me because i got more motherfucking motion in that nigga come on now let's be fucking for real Let's be, if we're going to be anything, let's be fucking for real. Who raised you? It is no way that I want to be or any other dudes that I, that I know want to be with a woman like that, that speaks like that, that has that type of mentality. I'm going to be straight up real. Would they want to hit if she's physically attractive? Yeah. But. They ain't going to want to be with no woman like that. Same thing goes for all these women out here who's who's showing the ass, showing the showing the titties, who's showing the dark meat of the booty. <laughs> Look, I was sitting here watching Bernie Mac today and he was he's like <laughs> and he said this. He was like he was like you got you got the women out here showing the dark meat of their booty. <laughs> These are the type of women that's showing the dark meat of their booty. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But who wants to be what man wants to be with a woman that talks like this, who has this mentality? Like that is overly masculine, overly masculine. I don't know no dudes that 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 this that has this this much fire in their belly. <laughs> this is so unattractive it's it's cringe it makes me cringe to hear a woman speaks like this this is not feminine at all but this is what i'm talking about when we get all caught up into this feminism shit when these women are so overly masculine and all this other stuff this is what they're taught this is the mentality that they have it's a competitive mindset that these women have. And what do I always say about men? One of the things, the, the basis of the things that we have taught is anger, aggression, and competition. 
So if you hear a woman speaking like that about a man, bruh, I'm going to play this clip again so y'all can just really feel it. <laughs> I'm going to be very motherfucking clear with this. Niggas love a bitch that's struggling. Let me tell you why a bum-ass nigga love bitches that's struggling. Because the bitch that's struggling going to make that nigga feel superior. A bitch like me, a bitch that can hold her own, a bitch that pay her own, a bitch that ain't got a suck dick to survive. Of course, I'm going to make that nigga feel uncomfortable. Of course, I'm going to make that nigga feel like he in competition with me because I got more hustle in me, because I got more motherfucking motion in that nigga. Come on now. Let's be fucking for real. Let's be, if we're going to be anything, let's be fucking for real. I kind of feel like, like, just listening to her and, and looking at the video, because I'm looking at the video while I'm playing it. Like, I feel like she stinks. Like, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be rude or anything. Like, I feel like she stinks. I feel like she ain't even washing her ass. <laughs> Like, there's nothing feminine about this. There's nothing attractive about this. Imagine coming home to a woman who's in competition with you. Like, bruh, on to the next clip. <laughs> I woke up and decided I want to give you all a story time. When I was younger, years ago, in my 20s, I used to date a lot of athletes, right? But I dated a lot of men who used me, manipulated me, um, just everything. And I remember there was one football player that I dated. And I remember when we had a conversation, this is after we dated, when we just decided, look, this is just not it. And I asked him, I said, why is it that I just cannot get the man that I actually want? And he said, you need to be with a woman. And I said, why well, I need to be with a woman? He said, you're too much of an alpha woman. He said, you're an alpha female. Any man that's an alpha male does not want you. He said, you won't let any man do anything for you. You always have to be in control. He said, that pushed me away. That was gut-wrenching, to say the least. So then, of course, me being me, I decided to, you know, just contact some of the guys I dated before. There was one guy in particular. We talked about marriage and everything else. And I asked him, I said, what happened? You just went cold on me. He said, man, you were fun. You were exciting. He said, but you were not somebody I can take home to my family. I said, what? I'm cool. He said, oh, no. He said, your behaviors and your mannerisms. Mm-mm. He said, you're just too aggressive. He said, you were out of control. I'm going to stop the clip right here because I'm thinking to myself what I said on the last podcast. You, you've seen a lot of women out here that look physically attractive, look feminine or whatever. But their energy, the way they act, the way they talk, the way they move or whatever, it's just masculine. That shit is unattractive, bro. The questions that they ask, how they question a man, the things that they say to a man, it's just unattractive, it's unappealing, it's, it's uncomfortable, it's, it's, it just makes you feel like, bro, I don't even want to deal with you, bro. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. I don't even want to have conversations with you. Like... It is, it's not natural. It's like dealing with a nigga that you, you got beef with. Oh, kitty. Y'all, the guys that I asked about me, it hurt me to the core. I'm not going to lie. And it sucks to hear this stuff. But I knew that it was me. It was my fault because I was a person. I was unreceptive. I was very controlling. I was extremely aggressive. I was insecure. 
always anxious and preoccupied with everything that everybody else had going and their feelings. It just was so much. I was overwhelming. But the last guy I asked, he told me I was over. All that shit is coming from an unhealed place. It's coming from trauma. It's coming from defensiveness. It's coming from trying to protect yourself. It's coming from ego. Coming from ego. Like, you hear all these women jumping out here using this term soft life or whatever. But soft life is just another term for being feminine. But they ain't even using that shit right. You know what I'm saying? They sitting here saying soft life, soft life this, soft life error, soft life, soft life, soft life, soft life. But they still living in a mask and they still representing, they still, their energy still is in a masculine form. You know what I'm saying? Just because now that they're, I don't know what they doing, honestly. I don't. Because it's, it, just because they're using the term don't mean that that's actually what they're doing or what is going on or what the energy that they're, put, that they're putting out. It's just a new trendy term or whatever. And I'm not saying all the women that's using this term is that way, is that way because I've seen some women that are actually using that term, that actually is following, you know what I'm saying, the fe- that, that is actually letting go and actually being feminine. But there's still a lot of women out here that's using that term and stuff like that and still having this this masculine energy or this masculine oomph, oomph. You hear that oomph to them. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I say these cliche shit, these little memes, this social media shit and all that other stuff is, 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 bull, is bullshit. It's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, man. Bearing. And then I took it upon myself to get help. Because I knew I wanted a lasting relationship. But I also wanted to be better for myself. And I had to realize that I'm the reason why I was attracting all of these people. Y'all, I was really broken on the inside. I was a mess. Sitting here always projecting on social media, telling all my business, doing a, oh, it must be nice. Why can't guys do this? I just would never take accountability. This is why I say be careful about these empowerment people out here, the men and the women, because you feel so connected and so and you feel so empowered and got this this fire lit up inside of you and and everything. It may not be because you're healing or you're walking a new path. It may be because they're just confirming a bias that you've already had, a bias or a trauma that you've already experienced, a bias or a narrative that you've already been taught. That's why social media is so dangerous. People have to disconnect from social media and actually learn about themselves. That's why I, that's why I be saying everybody needs to go to therapy because you'll actually get into spaces where you're challenged, where these narratives, these biases are challenged. And you'll really have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, well, is this what I truly believe or this is, or 
is this something that was pushed towards me or projected towards me? You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people think just because they don't need therapy or they don't need any type of mental health assistance is because they haven't been diagnosed. It's a lot of it's a lot of people out here that need help mentally that just haven't been diagnosed. I wouldn't I wouldn't have known that I had the traumas that I had or I needed to relearn things or or that the habits and that the um routines that I was living throughout my life were toxic or problematic to me if I didn't go to therapy. Once I healed, and then I went to coaches. I went to coaches who helped me. I read books. I studied on healing, becoming more feminine. Once I did that, the people that I attracted changed. I was more receptive. I was more willing. I was more understanding. I was okay with just sitting in the the passenger side and just relaxing. And that's why I started attracting the men that I began attracting. It came from my healing. I'm telling you all this because if you are a woman with a feminine core and you want a man with a masculine core, you're going to have to fix yourself within, baby. Don't worry about what society tells you. Don't worry about it. If you know that it is something that you want If you want to restore your femininity, if you want to heal your wounds, your attachment wounds, your abandonment wounds, your rejection wounds, your emotional wounds, if you want to do that, go ahead, baby, because it's such a peaceful life to live. A healed life is a peaceful life to live. And the people you attract are wonderful. I guarantee you. I kid you not. And I would never steer you all the wrong way. Happy healing, y'all. Bye, babies. On to the next clip. Let me see what the time is at. All right. I got I got some more time. I got some more time. I'm getting a little hungry. You know what I'm saying? So I saw a clip where a woman stated black men do not prefer other races. Black women force black men away with their attitude and reluctance to cook and work out. And I have to say it's valid. First, let's understand the majority of married black men are married to black women. However, there's still a mating dilemma within the black American community. Statistically speaking, black American women are disproportionately single in the least desired group of women. Seven out of ten are unmarried and three out of ten will never marry. And other races of women as well as black men are more likely to marry and be remarried. So the issue can be attributed to their attitude. Because men are the gatekeepers of marriage. They determine who they want to marry. There was even a qualitative study conducted asking married black men why are black women single with gender conflict being the number one answer. Because the issue is black women don't respect black men. They see themselves as superior intellectually and even physically. Relationships are a power trip to black women. They value masculine qualities and shun feminine ones. Take pride in being stubborn, difficult, and combative. They overvalue interdependence and undervalue interdependence. All those things are repulsive to men. Black men just want women who respect them and want to work with them. And it's hard to do that with women who think they're better, lack accountability, and think they're always right. And this goes down to competition. And this dude right here, um, I follow him. And I don't always agree with everything that this dude says because I feel like a lot of times I've, the energy that I get from him, it comes from a misogynistic standpoint. 
but a lot of times he does use actual statistics to prove his arguments right and this is where i talk about debating and and all that other stuff when you debate you actually have to have actual facts statistics and all that other good stuff so in this clip i don't i'm not going to sit here and say that i necessarily agree with everything he say because i do feel as though men play a role in 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 everything when it comes to relationships both men and women but when you throw out statistics it's hard to go against those things so i'm gonna play the clip again he talks a little fast so i'm gonna try to you know go through it and stop it when i feel as though that um i i can make a a, a point <laughs> that this nigga talking too fast so I saw a clip where a woman stated black men do not prefer other races, black women force black men away with their attitude and reluctance to cook and work out. And I have to say it's valid. First, let's understand the majority of married black men are married to black women. However, there's still. A I do agree with that. Majority of the black men are married to black women and majority of black men, from my experience, want to be with black women. Mating dilemma within the black American community. Statistically speaking, black American women are disproportionately single and the least desired group. From the reading that I've done, that it, those statistics are very true. That black women are the least married women in the country. <laughs> like, period. Like, it is what it is. Um, and when it comes to divorce, the divorces and divorce rate, black is high when it comes to black women and just just the black community period women seven out of ten are unmarried and three out of ten will never marry and other races of women as well as black men are more likely to marry and be remarried so the issue can be attributed to their attitude because men are the gatekeepers of when he when he starts going away from the statistics and start talking about attitudes and stuff like that i understand what he's saying you know when it comes to um just from my experience and um, my personal experience and, and hearing other black men that I know when it comes to relationships and stuff like that, it is a struggle when dealing with black women and their attitudes and like their insecurities and how they're in those relationships or those partnerships and the women are trying to compete over the control of it um of the relationship and the viewpoints and you know um the insecurities that they may be having and you know the things that they've been taught or the things that they've experienced in past relationships which i which i get you know what i'm saying if you've been in past relationships where you've been cheated on and or lied to and or just experienced any type of traumatic experiences or whatever i won't take anything from from nobody because i've experienced those things on my end as a man from being cheated on and being lied to and stuff like that but i don't want to make those things a concrete fact for every man you know what i'm saying so that would be the difference that i would have from me to him and the things that he's speaking you know what i'm saying i don't i don't look at every woman as a cheater or a woman that has 
lie to a woman that isn't open to a man being vulnerable and speaking his his feelings and stuff like that. But there are a lot of men and black men and, and black women that look at it that way. They determine who they want to marry. There was even a qualitative study conducted asking married black men why are black women single with gender conflict being the number one answer. This don't say um, over three-fourths of the men, 79% discussed gender conflict between men and women in the black community. The husbands noted that many women are misguided in their approaches to attracting and keeping a mate. Because the issue is black women don't respect black men. They see themselves as superior intellectually and even And I, uh, I definitely agree with him about that the respect aspect because when it comes to men period just taking out um quote-unquote race or nationality but we're going to focus on just black men and black women or whatever um respect is a big factor when it comes to men um and when men don't feel respected then that is definitely a big issue. It's a big turnoff. It's a big um, <laughs> insecurity period. I mean, yeah. Relationships are a power trip to black women. They value masculine qualities and shun feminine ones. Take pride in being stubborn, difficult, and combative. They overvalue interdependence and undervalue interdependence. All those things are repulsive to men. Black men just want women who respect them and want to work with them. And it's hard to That is definitely the case. Um black men definitely want to be respected and just want to be able to it ain't even a thing about most black men don't don't even care about being in control they just want to have some sort of cooperation being able to work together with the black woman because most black men um most black men want to have a black family most black men want to work together and to be in partnership with a black woman like most black men take pride in that like they, it may not black men may not articulate that or or speak that because of these these type of situations but or these 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 type of um let me let me try to figure out a, the right word to say um <laughs> Most black men don't want, they don't like the drama, but they definitely prefer a black woman over anything else, right? So that's their preference, but they don't really speak it enough because we just be like, oh, it's all this drama, or, you know what I'm saying? I don't feel like dealing with this shit, you know what I'm saying? Or, I don't f man, bro, I'm just, I'm just trying to live, I'm... I'm just trying to be me. I ain't trying to be questioned and and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. <laughs> Do that with women who think they're better, lack accountability, and think they're always right. So I'm gonna move on to the to this next. Um, I got a couple of more one one more clip and a couple of more topics, and then I'm gonna end it here because uh, we getting close to that mark and. I ain't gonna shit. I'm I'm getting hungry. I'm I'm ready to eat. It's it's eight thirteen. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna leave it at this. Um, I'm gonna move on to the next clip. But I think it's relevant. No, I don't think I know it's relevant. 
So here we go. This clip is from the Mike Tyson podcast. I forgot the name of the podcast, but here we go. We look for our mother and our lover, but our mother could never be our lover because our lover would never love us like our mother. She's not in her. It's not in no woman to love us like our mother loves us. It's not in her. Mike, I gotta tell somebody that. No, you ain't listen. That's why, no. bro. No, I'm gonna tell you. It something. wouldn't in her to love her like my mama loved me. Mm-mm, that in her. Yeah, nigga. it wouldn't in her. <laughs> it <laughs> wouldn't in her, man. No, why? No, why? Because her survival. Even though she do, but her she does everything she does for you. Listen, everything she does for you is for her survival. Everything your mother do for you is for your survival. And that's that's deep as shit. That was uh Mike Tyson and um Lil Boosie. And what's was was most important about that clip was, you know, I I talked about it a little bit on the last episode about how we look to if you're a woman, you look to your man to be a father figure and as a man you look to your mate to your partner or whatever to look to be your your mother figure and we don't recognize this enough because and this comes down to the mental health aspect of things and because and of course because a lot of us ain't going to therapy and learning these things we we don't we aren't aware of this i became aware of this when i started going to therapy that i was looking for the things that my mother didn't give me in the relationships that I was having with other women. Your lover, your partner, and the person you're in a relationship with can't love you like your mother can love you or should have loved you, right? And what Mike said was, your mother is doing it for your survival. So if your mother went through things in her own life, her experiences or whatever, then she's going to raise you off of that. So I spoke about how, you know, I was raised off of this this fear-based aspect. You know what I'm saying? I was I was raised to to be in a fearful mindset and stuff like that. And this goes even further back to like the Willie Lynch syndrome and the Willie Lynch theory and stuff like that. If you read it and you need to read it, how black women in the in the times of slavery, once they saw the black dominant male being buck broken raped and all that other stuff then what she would do was she would purposely coddle and protect and raise her son in a way where he wouldn't be so masculine so that he wouldn't have to go through that buck breaking that raping that emasculating period so Black women have always been programmed to emasculate black men, so to speak, right? So once you separate yourself from that slavery times and 
you start going down a line of women going through certain things, um, certain being cheated on or having bad relationships and stuff like that. So then in turn, you'll have these women, these black women, raising their sons in a way where it was beneficial to them, them being the black women, as well as their survival of not being buck broken, then these boys would grow up and not be fully masculine, be fully men. And if the man is not in the household, then that furthers it. But then you go along and these boys grow up and they start dating and all this other stuff. So then these boys didn't really get the nurturing, the affection and the love from their mothers that they were supposed to get. They just got survival tactics. Then these men are these men that grew up are going to be seeking these things from the women that they're dating. But then these women aren't going to be able to naturally give those things to them because that's not their sons. That's their mates, you know. And then these women have grew up from little girls are looking for a father figure or these father these these traits that the father didn't give them whether the man was in the household or not from their partner so you see how this goes we got a seesaw effect going where we sitting here going up and down trying to get what we didn't get from our mothers and fathers and then we're blaming them and putting the responsibility on them, projecting on them, and all this other stuff. It's a continuous cycle of pointing fingers, backbiting, back and forth arguing. It's to the point where we're not even arguing, we arguing. Like, it's to the point where, like, the pronunciation of the words have gone out the window we arguing. We ain't arguing. We arguing. <laughs> and then you 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 start getting in these situations where a mother is not really loving her son fully because she has some disdain or she has some hatred or whatever towards the father and vice versa. So then you'll have a father if he's in the daughter's life or mother, if she's in the son's life, they're not really raising the child. They're maintaining the child and 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 sort of kind of like doing a, a situation where it's, um, I was thinking about this earlier where I lost my train of thought from from earlier, but it's 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 like I'm gonna move on because I lost my train of thought. 
I hate when that happens. That's why I always be trying to write shit down. But I lost my train of thought. But I hope y'all get where I'm where I was trying to lead to. Well, it's kind of like you putting your your child in survival mode, or you trying to do a what if a a, a kind of what if what if game. You having a relationship with your child, or you want your child to fulfill a relationship that you didn't get, and then when this child grows up, they doing the same thing with whoever they're in a relationship or a partnership with. And it's a continuous cycle in the black community. It's always this situation where we always trying to come up. And that's why it always takes a, us individuals to break these cycles. I came across this tweet that was that made total total sense to me. It says, my dad says, this is a woman that wrote this tweet. She says, my dad said, quote, often trauma keeps us at the age we experienced it. A lot of people are exactly the age their hurt came from, end quote. And I used to say this all the time, even before I seen this tweet, because I just came across the tweet. But I used to say this all the time when I started going to therapy. A lot of people, no, not even people, just speaking for myself, I used to say this about myself. I used to talk about how certain certain aspects of my life, I'm not... I wasn't fully grown yet. I wasn't fully an adult yet. I was still a child in certain aspects of my life, you know. Um, Financially, I may have been an adult, but emotionally, I was still stuck in this this eight-year-old child or this five-year-old child. Mentally, I may have been stuck in at this 13-year-old child or this eight-year-old child of me you know um when I, when I used to do when I used to do a lot of the inner child healing um from therapy homework that I had I used to find these pictures of me where I was eight years old and I was four years old and the four-year-old of me was my true self you know I didn't I I didn't experience any of the things that um led me to depression and anxiety yet so that was the true that was the true Derek you know what I'm saying but I didn't really know who that was I didn't remember a lot of aspects of that I only had these pictures but then you had the eight-year-old Derek I remember certain things from that time period and I and I specifically remember when I specifically remember certain points of that time that time period that correlated with my depression and anxiety. So it made sense for me to focus on the eight-year-old Dirk and those points in time that I remembered and work on those things and actually relive those things to heal those things. Um, I think I'm going to end off on this clip right here. And then next week, we'll continue part three.
So let me pull this clip up. His name is Resma. Let me start. One of my colleagues, his name is Resma Minikin, and I think he just says it so poignantly. I don't think that it really could be said any better. But he says that trauma decontextualized within a person looks like personality. And that trauma Mm. decontextualized within a family looks like family traits. And that trauma Mm. decontextualized within a people looks like culture. And y'all know I had a whole episode called For the Culture, right? But this this clip right here is, is, is deep as hell, right? Because a lot of times, and I talked about it on last episode, a lot of times we we make our trauma or the things that we've been through or the things that we've learned or seen on social media our personality. And we'll look at it like certain things that have gone on throughout our family and stuff as family traits. And then we'll fall into the trap of looking at you know, just because every black person is doing this on social media or in movies or mainly celebrity culture, and we'll claim it as it being black, quote unquote, black culture. So I'm going to play the clip again, and then I'm just going to end the show off here. One of my colleagues, his name is Resma Minikin, and I think he just says it so poignantly. I don't think that it really could be said any better. But he says that trauma decontextualized within a person looks like personality. And that goes along with with the bullshit of your your grandmas and your moms and your aunties and your good, good girlfriends and your grandfathers and your fathers and your uncles passing along shit that they gone through on to you it's just going down the line it's the cycle going down the line and it's looking as though that's my personality well you know what i'm saying i'm gonna act like this and i'm gonna act like that or whatever and that trauma mm. decontextualized within a family looks like family traits exactly and then it just goes on and on so just because i had a parent to say you know what I'm saying? You act just like them silvers and all that other stuff like that. So I started to believe that. You know what I'm saying? And then in turn, I looked at myself as bad because I kept hearing that because the silvers act like this, then it was bad. So then in turn, I looked at myself as I was bad. So you look at things like that as it being family traits. is It keeps going down the line type shit. And that trauma decontextualized within a people looks like culture. So, hey, all niggas are the same, right? You know what I'm saying? Nigga is this and nigga is that. So it becomes that nigga, that niggadom becomes a culture, right? So all just because we see on TV and movies and music videos and these celebrities or whatever, because they act like this, then all black people act like that. And I'm going to end it off here. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Dirk Silver. And you can follow me on a taste to consider network on Instagram my main page is attached to that. A Taste to Consider Network on YouTube. Streaming on Spotify. 
Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, Google Play, all that good stuff. And we out.